Filmmakers and photographers Drinking coffee and talking shit Welcome to Filmmakers and Photographers Drinking Coffee and Talking Shit In this podcast you'll hear insights and stories from five guys and an occasional guest who have all come to the craft of visual media from very different starting points. I'm your host, Matt Rickman. I am not the host, Sean Letty. I am the special guest, Zach. <laughs> I'm Jack Rickman. Chris Bell. Randy Fitzenmeyer. In this episode, we're going to talk about the video production process, which sounds really fucking boring, but it's not going to be, I promise. We'll drink a little beer. A, a very <laughs> little. Beer. A very little. <laughs> Coffee beer. Cheers. And uh, we'll talk a little shit so let's get this thing started i'm gonna start with chris because chris has more experience and wisdom than any of us <clears throat> at the table probably more than all of us combined so undoubtedly chris tell us about your production process so so you have a client that comes to you mm-hmm. says i want a video and what's the next thing you do to her what? no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> what happens first oh I'm, different videos sorry i'm very, res- other, I'm very process. respectful i you know i totally <laughs> Um, okay. At, at some point very quickly on, you want to f- figure out if this client is a good fit for, you know, what you do. Do you do credit approvals and stuff like that? Uh, we do. <laughs> Background <laughs> checks. Yeah. Uh, so I want to know if, uh, you know, if we're hired for this project and it doesn't have to be like a contract signed at this point, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's really a, an agreement as loose as, as loose as it might be that, um, I think you know early on we want to we want to connect with a client. We want to find out as much as we can possibly find out what's going on in their head. You know what are they thinking? What are what are they envisioning? Uh, what kind of scale of the project uh, are are they uh, you know looking at? Um, and most of the time, clients come to us and they it's and it's good and it's bad. They don't have any idea what it is that this end product is going to be. It's almost like the mechanic. You know, you drop your car off at the car shop, and you come back, you pick your car up, and they got like a $1,200, $1,500 bill, and you're like, what? And so, you don't so, know if it's right or wrong because yeah. you're so not So do you have mechanic. a protocol that you go through, like the – call it like the discovery phase? That Absolutely. Then- so let's say your typical project, they come to you, they really don't know what they – you know, they want this end product to be, but they do know what they want it to achieve. They know they, you know, this has got to hit, there's certain things that it's going to hit. Viral. That's a good good place to start, right? Yeah, that's going to, yeah, that's going to, you know, make their life easier, reduce pain points, on and on like that. So what we want to do is we want to find out what they're envisioning, what they want. Um, I'm a firm believer in the client is always right, even when they're totally wrong, um, because you're going to come to this project and you can, we always want to step up. And if we think the decision they're making is wrong, well, we'll, you know, Zach and I will say, you know what I would do? I would do this. And if they go, no, that's not what I want to do. I want to do what I told you from the get go. They're writing the check, so we're going to do our damnedest to create the best program that they are envisioning. They're going to sign the check. They want us to do, et cetera. So, um, 
So when it's a project like that, we, uh, we're going to quadruple the budget <laughs> uh, if we can. Uh, no, we're not. But we're, we're certainly going to protect ourselves financially uh, uh, for that project. And one of the things that we don't want to hear, and we often do, all of us here at the table, is like, I'll know it when I see it. Mm-hmm. Or they, maybe they won't say it like that, but it's more like, well, you go do your magic. I don't know what you do over there. But all you, you you go do your creative stuff, and then you come back to us, and then we'll tell you if you we, if we like that. Do you take any measures to try and mitigate that? Like for example, Absolutely. storyboard. You story. What, tell us some of the tools you use yeah. to help. You know, give them an idea of what they are going to get before you invest the time. Yeah, because the last thing you want to do is you want to go. Last thing you want to do is go off into your little world and you create this epic program. You come back after spending all of this time and resources. You come back to your client and go, and here it is. Yeah, I think that's the whole name of the game. I mean, the whole reason why we have processes because video is expensive. Yes. No matter how you slice it, it's an expensive thing. It's a time-consuming thing. Yep. It's it's an art. We pour a lot lot into it. Yep. Um, so I think that you know the process is what protects um, us and our clients. Yes. Uh, all along the way. Well said. Yeah. yeah. So you you definitely want to include them in that journey, that process, as much as you possibly can. I mean, there are clients that uh, when you attempt to include them in that, they're like going, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know what I'm looking at here. Just go do your magic. You know, yeah. I, you're a professional. Go go read my mind and create this program Danger that I'm envisioning. And, uh, and make sure it totally wows my boss. So I, I'm going to get a raise on this right? thing. Yeah. yeah. So you definitely want to include them in the process as much as you can. And I'm storyboards some people rely heavily on storyboards the only time i think that we use storyboards are for two reasons one the budget's there and the and our direct client needs to communicate a very impressive creative plan to people at their organization that's one very important reason because they see the storyboards they don't know really what it all means they just see these really cool pictures and they're like going yeah this is looking, you know, very good. Very, and then you make it move, and they say, "Well, no. <laughs> I've gotten that." And the the other reason for, I think, at our shop that we think storyboards are very compelling is if it's a motion graphic project, mm-hmm. because there you're not dealing in live action; you're dealing with a lot of artwork, and there's so many things that come into play there that. You're going to want to, if you can, you're going to want to share as close a proximity to that artwork as you, you, can, you can possibly get. I would say outside of that, you also need to create a roadmap and accountability with your client. If a client signs off at certain stages, you're going to have a more successful project than... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah because if, if, you, if you guide them through the process at every stage of the process, they know what they're expecting. Yep. They've signed off on the previous step, and when they see it, they're like, yep, mm-hmm, that's where we're at. Yep, this is feeling good. Which, as a creator, sometimes that kind of feels like you're taking the magic away, right? Like, you almost want to create this thing in a vacuum. Uh, you know, we want to put our best work into it. I want to be a mind reader. And then you show it to the client, and they're like, Nope. Nope. No, this Whoa. is not. What the a, hell yeah, is this, this isn't what I wanted at but all. But even more important, it, that gives time for it to trickle up, not down, to their boss's mm. boss. Absolutely. Which can sometimes stymie everything. Absolutely. Which yeah. you know, building in. <laughs> 
feedback time into your workflow, I think, is something that a lot of us professionals come to experience, which is to say you could get to a stage in a project and want to continue work on it, but it has to go through this person and that person and that person and that person. Well, and it's not only that, it's, uh, but it's also factoring in they're busy people or they're very lazy one or the other, they, they're going to want to live with this thing for like two weeks, and uh, you don't have a lot of control over that, you know. But I think you, 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 you definitely raise a very good point, and that is uh, including your client in order to sign off through, the, through the, the process. So one of the things we do at our shop is we keep it a little more simple. Uh, if it isn't, isn't really requiring a, uh, a storyboard, we're going to do two-column script. Um, that becomes our shot list. That forces uh, the script writing process, whoever is involved in that script writing, to be writing in a, a visual realm. Because whenever you're writing, you're always looking over going, what am I seeing here? Mm-hmm. You know, and as you progress through the script, you're always asking yourself, what am I seeing? What am I seeing? That leads to a, uh, a tight sh- uh, shot list. So when you do get into production, you've got a good plan. Um, and then when you uh, so you execute that plan, then when you get into post-production, uh, you're, you don't have, you know kind of what your raw materials are, and you've, you're, there's no big surprises, uh, hopefully, when you get into post-production. Yeah. You, you know, it might be two weeds here, but could you just elaborate on what a two-column script is for the audience? Yeah, so we have one column is the, uh, usually the left column is the visuals, and the right column is the audio, and which is the narrative. I mean, it doesn't have to be narration, but it could be we are anticipating we're going to do an interview, so we're anticipating this person is going to say this. So we write that out, uh, and then we associate some visuals with that. And so, you know, so when that script writing process is done, you get that over to your client. You're including them in the process as much as you can. And w- we all know at this table, some clients are like going, why are you bugging me with all these little details? I'm a busy person. Go do your job. You're a professional. Then you know, okay, this person is going to sign off at the end. Um, and then there's, there are those clients who really want to be involved with the micromanage. process. They could be micro, more micromanaged, but uh, at least... They like to be called creatives. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> so you're going to get that script approved. You're going to get into production. Then you're going to get into post-production. And the uh, post-production process for us is also very inclusive of the client. We may send them more rough kind of cut edits. Uh, If we can, we would prefer to do that. Uh, Music is paramount. We're going to, if we have any suspicions that the client is going to be particular about music, we're going to send that music over. And they may listen to it and they may come back to us and go, this sounds like just grunge rock and roll. And we're like, yeah, I know, but it's going to work really well because of these reasons. Two ways they could go, well, we don't, still don't like it. Okay, great. We haven't invested all that time in cutting to the song uh, or this piece of music. So music is important because it really controls a lot of thing in the uh, post-production part of the process. And then we, we watch the program over and over and over and over. Did I say over? Because I have that in mind, too. Like, I obsess over it. Put it on my phone. Watch it before bed. Well, it's the only know. way. It's almost like, you know, I look at it. It's and like it's, 
it's not like you have like a ton to change after that, but no. there's like these little things. Like, man, I would just I would just swap out that one piece of B roll. Or yeah. like, you know, that cut came just a, a hair too early. I'm gonna tweak that. But it's that soft finesse that like can Absolutely. really tighten it up when you obsess yes. over it as opposed to just breeze through it. Yeah, but the the other, the other part of that too, I mean, we're jumping ahead, is that the, the, the more time you spend with something, the less objectivity you have with that thing That's and why it's so important to have someone else watch it. You're right. Especially when you're, you're editing, right. you, you lose all or, sense of or timing how about and it, pacing. If you were in the production, have somebody else that was not in the production edit it. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> that's funny. You, 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 you read my notes. Yeah. <laughs> it's called resources. Well, I think, I think the thing, too, like the, that we do, and I, I don't know if you guys necessarily do this, Chris, is I always start my projects with a creative brief. And the creative brief is like, what is this going to feel like? Who's it supposed to be for? It's yeah. all those touchy feely, creativey kind of questions, and yeah. and and what it does. So like like on the rock and roll music thing, you can say, well, you've established that your audience is this, and we think that the music that's going to resonate with those people yeah. is going to be something that's more grunge rock and roll, and they can go like, yep, you're right. But if up front you get that agreement on the creative brief of like who the audience is, what makes them tick, what they're going to be wanting, what's going to resonate with them, all those things then every single decision can come down to not like personal preference like well yeah. I just really want rock and roll crunch music in this that. but yeah. we think it's going to resonate with the audience and creative brief for me is key it gives bottom, you, that, gives you that leverage line, to say I'm not just doing this because I like it remember we, had, well, we decided at the beginning bottom yeah. line is it, it's it's getting everybody on the same page Absolutely, and, and that's the difficult part. And but we if you we, can accomplish we do creative that briefs or production game. plans as well, yeah. but only on usually it's a larger project. I mean, it's not uh, uh, the more common project is not going to to uh, require uh, a creative brief, uh, given the time restrictions we have to produce that program. But we do do that. And that is a good, yeah. very good point. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how far in the process have we gotten here? We've talked lightly on post-production and stuff, but, I mean, there's so much in production itself. Yeah, we got up yeah, through scripting, I think. Yeah, we got yeah, through scripting, scripting and the shot list, and definitely there's a, lo- a lot of notes I have in uh, in, in, in shooting. Um, but I want to leave something for you guys as well. <laughs> I don't want to take <laughs> so all of it. I'm kind of blowing through yeah. this as quickly as I can. But, um, you know, I would just say that in the end, if – you can achieve, you know, a envision what your client is possibly thinking, and oftentimes it's it's outside that realm, and it co- coincides with yours. Then you have, I would say, you've you've really nailed it, and you've developed a uh, a really good relationship with a client that's going to come back for more work. I think a lot of times when clients come to us and 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 they want a video, either one of two scenarios happens: they've seen something else. And yep. they want to have their version of it, or they've been told you need to have a video. And so yeah. I feel like a lot of the processes is is upfront is identifying like, okay, why? Education. Why would a video be good for you? How can we make a video effective for you? And all of those kind of things. Very rarely do you come into some, uh, at least in my experience, and correct me if you guys have had a different experience, where someone has a lot of experience doing video and they know what they want and they're just looking for you to like, you know, be the master of what you do. A lot of times we're working with people that are ignorant. They don't know. They don't we, know but, anything. But yeah. you're all coming from this from a corporate standpoint corporate uh, corporate and, and commercial you know yeah, and, and freelance small business and, 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 and freelance yeah. I, I would yeah. say that but well-rounded you know i mean i think that's what's also nice in part of my process and i'll 
kind of piggyback, you know, with you here, Chris, since we're in this phase, is that whole, you know, like nerding out on examples and stuff together, you know, like yeah. if you can, and, and that's another thing we've talked about this on this podcast before, but like breaking down some of those like formal barriers, like, okay. And right now we're on a call to review the script, Matt, do you have the script? It's like, if you can get to like be real people and like almost, and not and Chris, you said not all clients are willing to go there. Right. Yeah. But the ones who you can kind of break down some of that, like formal barrier and get them to be almost more real with you yeah. you can actually figure out truly what they're into what they like yes i mean that's part of my process is i like to like look at things together watch things have them send me videos of things and ask them what they liked about it because i think you can tell a lot <clears throat> you know about what they show you as things that resonate with them you go i, I know why they like that. and it's going to make for I a better program you know? if you could get them to take you know. the time to send you things that they like yeah. and things that they don't like But God, I think that's so flippin' risky because what they like does not matter. It's what their audience is going to like, what's going to work for their goals. Like, that's why it's so risky. I hate the whole, like, show me videos you yeah, like and but, I'll make but, one. But, 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 you don't have your, you have to but give, you're working for a corporation. And, well, and at no, some point, I do you have to give people credit. You have to give some people credit. You know, like, the people that my stakeholders, I have to assume that they know their audience and their people. And so I have to give them the credit and say, you know, <clears throat> I may think that this is not quite what's going to resonate with that audience, but they they live and work in this space. But, but So maybe there's something that I don't see that they know so there's there's part of that too. Is that sometimes I go, eh, maybe they do that, know better than me. That's right? where the creative yeah. brief is critical. You have to yeah, you have yeah. to develop your personas and say who is this for, and then all of us yeah. collectively can say like, yeah, man, we want jump cuts and we want you know fast music or whatever. The well, decision to force that be. conversation with your client. Absolutely, yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say we've all tapped into something important here, which is to say that I would say the client is always the expert on the content. They're signing the check. We want to deliver on what they are hoping for. And we aren't mind readers. The more you can put the decision-making in the hand of the client, the the safer the process can go because you're going to end up with something they were hoping to expect. Uh, you know, I just think that if without – nuancing right or wrong well i and i would i would disagree with you but continue on and then i'll disagree what what i'll say in the middle of that disagreement is that it depends on on who you are as a shop right yes you know that there are certain certain agencies and and you know groups and things like that like what's that little agency that made in denver Mm -hmm, the made shop Mm -hmm. and it's like people go to them for a very specific reason you know what i mean they have afforded themselves the ability to say well that's not really how we do it sure my and guys is another great Mm -hmm. example they're mm-hmm. a design agency, but they they've been they've afforded themselves and they have they built the trust in the industry to say we're the experts in this. And so if you're coming to us, you're coming to us for us to do what we do. And so you don't really get to make that call. We yeah. make that call. Right. And if you're not good with that arrangement, then you can find someone else to work with. However, it is not every I mean a very little percentage, small percentage of shops, workers, freelancers are afforded the ability to be able to to in that they're not in that position so they have yeah. to acquiesce to the client and say we'll we'll put a dinosaur in there but, if that's but what you want i guess yes. it depends i mean this is going off on a way different tangent if you want to be a shramayaf and guys more a maid shop or something like that you don't get to transition at some point you are that way from day one day you say listen i i know how it's best done this is my process take it or leave it you live and die with that absolutely yeah. Yeah. i would say Either way, uh, there is that unique aspect of us filling in the blanks. 
I do think that's a major aspect of what we do is that we do have to kind of teeter out on the edge a little bit with what does our client mean with this? And honestly, we need to progress forward on this contract and get it get it finished. Uh, so we're going to have to decide on something. Yeah, things. but I think like, and you know, as part of like our creative brief process is like, uh, what's the KPIs? How would this video be judged? Well, you know? and, that and to me, to me, it's not does the client's right? check clear. It's does this perform for the client? I well, mean, for of course. And what I'm really getting at is that if you can start early on in the process with identifying at least a little bit what your client is hoping to get, hoping to get, is this a tool that they're using? Is this meant for a lifestyle so piece? Whatever, <laughs> whatever yes. it might be. Uh, most importantly, getting that information out front is going to inform every decision you make throughout the process absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely but i think if you just give a client what they're asking for you're failing unless that performs i mean unless the client is so in tune and again that's that's why i'm saying very rarely in my experience do you work with people who know what they're doing with video and they're coming to you as a video expert so you have to be willing to tell them like no that i don't feel like that's going to be right that's not going to fit remember we agreed early I, on on the creative well brief? that's where we started the conversation you know is that you know we would you know we would definitely voice our concern if we if we felt like the client was heading in a direction that was totally wrong we would point that out to them we and we would reason with them and say this is why we feel this way but if they say okay great thanks but i'm, I'm going this way I, I guess my only point is if you have a if you've agreed on the creative brief then it can be like their interpretation of the persona development in the creative brief or whatever and yeah. you can say okay that's on you. But yeah. unless you document, like you put a stake in the ground that we're going to base everything off, then if you don't do that early on with the creative brief process, then everything that follows can 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 vary quite a let, bit. Let me and ask you this. Based. If you disagree, will you um, dissolve the relationship before you start? I think if I... Do you I'm, feel that passionate? It, it, it depends, I guess, on the, on the project. I mean, that's why I do personal passion projects, why... Zach does climbing films because we get to be the boss in those sense, in those instances. But if I'm afraid that like there's there's the boss boss who I'm not working with the boss boss. I'm working with the boss boss's minion, and and I know the boss boss isn't going to be happy with the end product. Yeah, I might walk away if, if 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 it was that big of a deal. But at a certain point, you know, yeah, the client's king. You know, whatever. And and you have to assume. And I do. I'm a firm believer in assuming that the client. You do what the clients say. Because they they have an angle, they understand things way different and way better than you do. Your job is to present like, I don't think that this, you know, here's what I would do. And, yes, and again, right. we've agreed upon the creative brief. And I think for this target, this is what makes the most sense. And if they say, no, I disagree, then then that decision's ultimately on them. And you go with you go with their path. You know, if yeah. they want it to be purple, well, you make it purple. Let me yeah. ask you this, though. Have you guys experienced a time where a client comes to you and they're like, okay, they lay out uh, kind of their budget parameters first. They're like, you know, we, we had done a project in the past, and that came out to, I don't know, 6000 maybe $10,000. And then they show you the example that they would like to achieve, and you're like, that's the movie Independence Day. <laughs> I... <laughs> why, why no, I've never think, had that happen. Why did you think for six grand that you were going to get a Hollywood blockbuster? Well, that's a very <laughs> common. That's, yeah, but no. I, oh, wait, hold rare. on. I we got uh, yeah, I think that's debate. My experience, that's pretty rare. I mean, it's like, you know, for them to come in the door with something that is 
like Epic, and they say 6,000, that's pretty easy to, to deal with that situation, in my opinion, because you go, we can't do that. Yeah, no, that just doesn't, yeah, we're not a good fit for that. Don't yeah. But at the same time, you said that's pretty common. Well, that's yeah, I right. mean, they, everybody wants more well, who than... Who knows what Randy's they, clients they, are? <laughs> they, they, they don't understand what... In, unless you're working with experienced clients. Which is you, rare. In my opinion. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Well, yeah. actually, that but, brings up a good point of how, you know, and not to get into the weeds here, but like, how are we sourcing our work and who are we working for? I know with Chris's shop, um, I think it's really wise to target kind of mid cap corps that have marketing budgets, that have marketing directors and can, can but, create. But even in that scenario, all of a sudden, okay, boom. Now they got a new marketing director. Well, they, that happens. They know different people. They have yeah. different experiences. That always they have happens. different that's, expectations. That's, that's, yeah, that's not, and then you that's go through not, the education process all over again. Exactly. Sure. That's part of the yeah. job. Yeah. That's part of the job description there. Well, so production. I think that's a that's probably one that a lot of people want us to dive further into as far as process because I think we all have our way of getting to know our clients and trying to figure out you know what the guard guardrails are for a project and 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 that kind of thing um, and we also have our processes for post production how do we go about editing and getting our footage you know sorted and things like that um, but production's a real meaty one right I mean you get there you get all your gear clients there they're a certain way. Let's talk. Let's dive a little bit into our you know, production process, Chris. And and the thing is, uh, when you know you're talking typically with a client, they that's what they think it is. Mm-hmm. They they think that it's you're going to show up with that. a camera, yeah, and, and then we'll then, figure it out. Great yeah, point, right, great exactly. Point. And it's like so a little bit of the difficult the educational process. I think for you know a small shop like ours, the educational process to say. Hey, the more time we can spend prepping this, now we're going to bill for some of that time. You know, we need to be paid. And that's the dance, you know. Yeah, that's the dance, exactly. So we can – this is the really inexpensive time to figure out what we're going to do. And, you know, they're thinking, well, but you're going to show up with cameras and capture magic, right? Yes, if we're prepared, and I actually find I, I just want to address this because I actually find that most people like the process. Yeah, because because it takes them outside of their normal world. You know, a lot of times we're dealing with marketing managers and people like that, and their normal world is not is not it's not video. It's oh, not this the process. Is glamorous to them, they and, love and I actually it. think the process they geek out on it. In my experience, and especially if you walk them through and you talk them through, like, you know, my my pitch is always like. We start with a creative brief, and that's just so we're all on the same page. We know yeah. what we're trying to do, and and it gives us kind of that um, that guidepost to to base everything that we do on. Um, from there, we do you know notes and bullets because I'm always like, I want to get your your take on what we're trying to communicate. You don't need to be a scriptwriter. Uh, we'll we'll take that on, but I want to get your you know what your input is. I take your notes, your bullets, your paragraph, your whatever you have. We'll create a script on it. From the script, we go into storyboarding. What's this thing going to look like? Then we go into production. Then we go into post-production, and then we're done. And if we do our job right throughout the process, there's no surprises. Once you see the storyboards, yeah, there might be some style things, and that's where we dial it in. Before we spend too much money anywhere along the process, because video is expensive and this process makes sure that we're all in alignment all along the way. And I think people, I always find people like really enjoy it. I mean, this is a departure from their day job. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say as a younger creator, one of the mistakes that I make pretty often is not involving the client more. 
um, you know, this is supposed to be a fun experience for everyone and to keep people in the dark. And yeah. I don't think it's the right direction to go. But yeah. also on another angle, you know, one of the reasons you hired us was because when if something does go wrong, which often it does, whether you have control of or you don't have control of, that's why you hired us. We're still going to bring home what you need. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope yeah, the conversation never even goes there. You, you know? know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The more I kind of <laughs> make mistakes out on production and come back without audio, uh, <laughs> you know, and I still have to turn a product, uh, you know. You the get, weather goes south, whatever the yeah, you scenario get, is. Well, and you, that's you, the thing. You, you have experience to come back with what you do. every time you show a project uh you don't get to go to the front of the room and be like well it was raining on tuesday and i didn't eat us no excuses and, you know that's just <laughs> yeah. not uh, how <laughs> exactly works. Yeah. the product represents itself you know and that's so you, why you hired us instead of the high school kid yeah well and i, I and i i always hope that that just goes like if you have to say that then you've lost no offense, jackson yeah, yeah. No, then you've you've lost the minute you have to explain that. The like, never explain or complain. Mm-hmm. That that's the rule. Just everything goes smoothly. Produce. Everything's golden. You know, don't ever don't ever let your clients know when there's a problem unless the problem is something that cannot be you know, fixed. And the, this is interesting. I should bring it up where um, I think that's probably an eighty twenty only in the sense that there are times where um, there are unforeseen situations within a project that you might want to grow the budget in post-production thank you make love to the mic <laughs> uh where you're going to want to grow the budget in to post-production me, because you, you have foresee. you have failed in your creative brief if that happens i i could come up I with would, uh, disagree with yeah, you there i would come I mean, up we, with a million we do examples. this all the time yeah. and it's not like we're nickel and diming our clients but our clients could come back to us and go you know I'm actually wanting to do this. Yeah, if it's a scope change, for sure. But yeah. then that's a whole new project. Well, okay, you bring that's up a not good, a, That's not a misalignment on the original project. That's a new project. But it can be a little up, bit of a you know? gray area. It's not black and white oftentimes between there. And it, it, it is sometimes it is. Zach and I. But how do you know you didn't miss the project? And then that's your failure, good not your client's. Good question. Good question. Yeah. So Zach and I had a, a project that we uh, – he went out to Western Slope, captured all this incredible footage for an internet company out there. And uh, they came back to us and said, uh, I, when I hear it, they like going, you know, actually, we'd like to do this, this, and this. Zach heard it is like, you know, what we want to do is this, this, and this. So Zach's like going, we can't charge them more money for this. And I'm like going, yes, we can. And we will. And Zach's like going, they're going to be super pissed off. It was like you had to schedule another shoot to go out and capture different stuff that no. you hadn't planned on, or what? No, it was treating the footage uh, quite differently from things we had not discussed. I see. Like, see. like specifically what? But how? Like, it wasn't getting new shots. You had to go back no. out and reshoot. Nope, it wasn't getting new shots. Was it, it was like a really change in creative. Or it was uh, introducing text into you know into the shots. It was also introducing new more, narration, more uh-huh. post production work, more pro- post production yeah. work. But to me, that would have come out in a proper creative brief. Well, we well, if, a, if originally brief. the creative brief they had said, "Yep, yeah, we just want to see a truck with a dude and no text." You know, yeah, there's no through. talk of text. Yeah. You know, and go. You know, my brother Larry's dog saw this commercial where there's text, and for <laughs> no reason whatsoever other than we saw it, we yes. want it. 
Right. Is that the world you're playing in? Uh, so oftentimes, great, right? because we quoted this project out at uh, probably closer to like 18,000. They came back and said, we don't got a dime more than 10 grand. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, and no, so we hit a ceiling there and bid for that and for what the goals of that specific project were. Months go down the road, communication above and below the line happen, and you end up evolving the project. Is Chris above the line and you're below the line? Significantly. <laughs> okay. There is a Grand Canyon between not. that. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think you brought up a really great terminology there, which was changing the scope mm -hmm. of the project. I think it'd be important to identify the difference between changing scope and kind of what the original bid uh, well, you, you, what was the terminology you used that you misbid the project? Yeah, yeah, because that, that, that's always when it my comes fear. to weather. Right? If you miss a shoot day because of inclement weather, but that's what on, do you do? That's on you. I mean, like contingencies, all that stuff. Like if it's a client fuck up, and, and most of the time it shouldn't be, if it's your screw up, you, you eat it. You know, and, and weather is a contingency thing. If, if you're planning on shooting outside and you're saying, well, we've only budgeted one day and we're going to drive out to the Western Slope and it's raining, that's on you. That's not on your client. Especially I don't think that's what we're talking about. I don't think that's what we're talking about here. But to no, me, like a proper a proper creative brief should dial in. You should know exactly what this thing's going to look like, feel like, sound like before you've even hit record one. But okay, clients but will come back on that and not. But care. that's where and the creative care. brief protects your ass. No, well, not necessarily because they'll no, just I agree. say. I agree with Randy because no. your your creative brief is not omnipotent. It isn't like going. I foresee all going forward, and it's all going to be like this. You do your best with what you got. Mm -hmm. Then you, you engage in the project. And there's always going to be those things that where you're like going, wow, I really hadn't thought about that. And, you know? and I but think to Matt's point, or, like, or, or the, the client just turns really on nice you. leverage. But to your point, you know that sometimes clients don't give a shit about leverage. And they say, I just want what I want, dude. Yes. And, I, and I have a budget, dude. So, hey, listen, dude. Dude, okay. okay. This week on Listen, Dude. Okay. <laughs> no, that's say, not. We're not making that a thing. When clients <laughs> stop making <laughs> that a thing. It's never gonna happen, Sean. Stop trying well, to make it and, happen. And, here, and let me just right? fill in. Yeah, you're no, gonna no, say, Listen, Dude. I don't care about your creative brief. I want what I want, and then it's us up to us as creatives. And then you do it to do it right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and yeah. let me just say well, this. Let me just say this. You that uh, you know, we don't go after this to manipulate or to nickel and dime our client. I mean, the only time I'm gonna, uh, you know, want to deal with this as, an, as a budget increase is I feel like it has it has breached the you know what we have discussed the scope the scope of the project so if money on so if I go to the client and I say hey look I think we're gonna we're looking at additional costs for this and these are the reasons and they go no I'm not paying a dime more I'm gonna go fuck okay <laughs> we'll get it done we're yeah. gonna get it done and then you're probably gonna put maybe not quite as much finesse if you had five grand if you had five grand extra budget they say sure here's your five grand extra to hire that motion graphics guy to do all those titles that we just asked you to do you're gonna find a good guy you're gonna tell him exactly i got this but cool that, idea we're gonna yeah. motion track on but the back that, of the truck that would and I, it can be something really great and yeah. then if they say f you i'm not giving you a dime more you're gonna say you hey, still Zach, do you, it you know those templates that we have in in premiere Throw a couple of those on there. Let's see if we can get away with no, it. See, I no, see, I 1,000% disagree with no, that. Your name is on your work. Your work is all well, your worth. that, I would say, my feeling on that, Sean, is that if you are planning on doing these, you know, pretty cool text or motion graphic type stuff, 
that probably should have been in, in, in the creative brief or in the plan or in the, the original scope of the budget. I 100% agree. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it, like I said, I think I just want to interject and just say, if the client comes back and goes, no, you know, it's like we feel strongly this way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, okay, because we want to get this project done. We want you to be happy. We're going to get it done. But if I feel strongly, if, if Zach and I feel strongly like, hey, they're asking for more work here, mm -hmm. clearly more work out of scope of what we had loosely discussed, all right, <laughs> uh, I'm going to I'm going to communicate to them as best I can. Uh, and most of the time, the client is reasonable and goes, yeah, you know, really? Okay, I, I understand where you're coming from. <laughs> And I think I think that's my point is that like by stepping through the process and being diligent about the process, those aren't as painful as when yes. you get into post production. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, and you have to yes. look at the big picture. Is this a first time client? Is this yeah. a client that I've had for years? Because I would, there, there, it's a big I would, I would say the other side is like you're not willing when your client when you, the project ends up being a little bit less than what you thought it would. You never send your client a check back and say, you know what, actually we ended up saving. Three hundred and seventy-eight dollars. Here's your check back on this. So to me, the the you know Chris on projects, I mean, yes, we told me. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it, well, it, you we can't... do do that just because it, <laughs> really that that can totally solidify the relationship. Oh well, yeah, if you if you're like, hey, we ended up spending way less, you know. Well, not way but, less, but I I mean, there's very often that we'll come back to our client and say, you know what, we didn't reach that that upper limit because we always bid things out in a range, and we. We saved you 500 bucks. We actually didn't bill that. And if they were cool yeah. and gave you fast approvals and didn't change much. Yeah, stuff. if they were great to work with, and exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very good for point. Sure. Well, for sure. But you make sure to note that. <laughs> yeah, because I want to work more with that client. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. I, I've always advocated that that be a credit and not cash. Uh, <laughs> but I would say just as um, an idea of what the real reality on the ground is. And again, as a young creator, I've kind of experienced these mistakes more recently than some of the folks at the table. Uh, but I've noticed that you do have to bid before for the client knows 100% what's going on or you know 100% what's going on because, and this is the important thing is, you need to submit an invoice and get pre-production paid for. You cannot let the meter run on these projects without green lighting and getting the job first. And so there is a unique chicken in the egg to what we do because you have to create a bid and then get the job and then find out what they want. Yeah. And I'll say we all work in different different realms, right? I mean, that's particular to your guys' shop. When I freelance, I'm in a position where I'm bidding projects based on what I think people will actually pay so I can get those jobs, right? Mm -hmm. If I, I, could, I could say that my photography is worth $300 a session portrait, but... I know that families will pay a buck fifty, so that's what I charge, and I yeah. and I yeah, get those jobs. But, but you're like, talking okay. about consumer but versus not, corporate business, and exactly. And that's the, I guess my point is that like you know, depending on where you are and what you're trying to accomplish, if you're trying to make a name for yourself as a creative, and you say, nope, this is what I charge, that's it. If you're in a corporate environment, you know, we get handed projects all the time where the budget's already been defined in a way. Yeah. I mean, we or we were part of that discussion. We say it's going to cost ten grand, then they bid it out. A sales team will bid that out and say. 
with your input on you know you factored in all the what ifs you go way high and they say yeah we got your 20 some of that comes down to just business sense and good business like sometimes i will eat a certain amount of money on a project but i will make that up on the next five projects because i'm working with that Uh, client it's it's an average that's not a game of averages i'm talking about though because there is a degree of things that are non-tangible and that you'll never get paid for right like i don't think i'll ever get paid for my shower thoughts on filmmaking, course, yeah, but I also spent my 10,000 hours becoming a person whose shower thoughts on filmmaking are better than non-filmmakers. No, I would argue know. that that goes into your your day rate, your, your hourly rate. Well, and yeah, if it doesn't, the then your, your you rate's get... not right. And, and I would argue that, Sean, if there's either one of two things that are happening in your scenario, either one, you're not worth $300 for a session, or... Or two, you need to not be doing $150 sessions and hold out for $300 sessions. Well, race because you will you is... will never ever at $150 a session all of a sudden get people. It's like I'd pay you twice as much. Mm-hmm. You have to just say no. This is what I am, and you're either worth it or and, you're not. And that's the thing is like right now, you know, if I was going for $300 per shoot clients, I'd be getting a lot less. You know what right. I'm saying? So like, it's, I can make, I can make. Hopefully, perception. Just, hopefully, just do you want to work volume or well? Not? <laughs> and again, you know, that's it's just like, basic business. And that's the thing, right? It's like you you price your product on how you think it'll sell, and it's like again, you know, um, I I could have turned down three gigs recently because I said no, that's that's not worth my money, and then I'd be sitting at home with my camera in my hand, not making money, holding out for those bigger jobs, and those those guys that's are a, that's well, a race. Do you want to work? Though. Do you want to work? I mean, but that's the Volume, that's why or? that's why I'm not a full time freelance creative. I have my day job and I do the other things, you know, at the pace at which I know I can do them and 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 I pull them in as I will. And the other thing too, and is that's that, what wrecks the full time freelance guys. Yeah, well, fuck the full time freelance you know, guys. Man. All I can say <laughs> is, and as you guys know, you know, Social, you, uh, you do what capitalism. Works, you do what works for you. You know what I mean? And you know, so in my situation, um, I get a lot of people that are willing to pay that number. And so the end at the end of my time doing it, I feel like I'm enough compensated that I can buy myself a new camera or whatever that case may be. And, you know, there are some times where I'm like, man, I did way too much work on that for what I, but what it, I average, did. it hopefully averages, it averages out. out. Yeah. That's yep, why I, yep. yeah. And, and if I felt like I was burning the candle and like losing all this energy and sleep and time with my family anymore. and I had no money to show for it or no new gear or no allowances to go do certain things, would you feel the same way if you didn't have a full-time gig? I would not. It would be different. It would be way different. I'd be I'd be basing my pricing around what my costs to live were. I'd say I need to make this much per month. So I either need to get a hundred jobs at ten dollars, you know, this many each, or I need to get five jobs at this many each. And based on what those opportunities were, if I knew, God, there's no way that you know Bob's convenience store can afford five grand, even though I know this video is worth five grand, but he's willing to pay me twenty five, and I could sure use that twenty five for my bills right now. I'm going to give him that, you know. And so I think that's the reality for a lot of well, people. And, and then that gets into know, like a lot of what we do is value pricing. It's not hard costs, you know. Yeah. We're we're not making widgets that have hard costs and there's labor and all this stuff it's it's value pricing and and we get to make those judgment calls of you know what what we want to change our value to at any given time so so we've made it up through uh, 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 creative brief and script writing and then and then and then and then production which I think we've we've come into my thing for post-production is there should be no surprises in post-production that's just you're you're in the kitchen. You've got all your ingredients. You're making the cake. There should not be any surprise ingredients when you get into post production. 
And one Tough thing one I will bid, say is, is I prefer, and, and granted, you know, this is a byproduct of the world I work in, which is fast turn and, you know, you're shooting a million different things and you have like four different deadlines for yourself at the end of a day or whatever. But like, I much prefer doing a video that is completely 100% storyboarded. You shot every scene exactly as you said you were going to do it. Because <laughs> right. then you get to your hotel room and you just find the best take and you stitch them together and there's finesse. Yeah. You have the time to do the finessing versus cutting together like a sizzle reel where it's like you're going through and you got to harvest the best B-roll. You're trying to create this narrative based on things you couldn't predict what people would say. And, Ooh, you know, that, you that know. teased me up. Yeah, and so there's yeah. a cup, you know, I mean, there's... <laughs> I got something to add to that too. And, and, you know, and, and in my notes... Here, you know, my big thing is is I like being, you know, director, producer, person. I like getting performances out of people. I like making them feel comfortable, helping them say the things that I think in a narrative are going to be effective or or formulate their thoughts in a way that, that help push that narrative forward. Somebody yeah. could say something and you say, you know what, that's actually really good. Restate that again, but this time use the name of the show. You know, and then you know that's going to sound better in post, but it's their thought. So, I mean, I'm really passionate about that process. But, um, yeah, I mean, to your point, Matt, absolutely. I 100% prefer editing with no surprises. I got all my no shots. I, you know, as opposed to and, – and there's there's an art and some fun in editing together a bunch of clips into something fun and snappy. But, you know, that takes way longer and there's way more risk there. And, you know, if I had my way, every single thing would be like – connections because it's scripted and 100% formulated and you absolutely. can't mess it up you know absolutely um well okay I, mine's real quick i mean what about allowing for the uh i don't want to say the unexpected but the, the spontaneity yes, the the the, yes. the yeah that that's that was one of my questions about like when you're on location how do you balance that storyboard versus like oh my god we could have never imagined this shot yeah, this thing right how do you balance those things out no, you go yeah. to the scripted storyboard but you allow that unscripted to happen yeah yeah and have that's an very eye. vague <laughs> yes. Yes. Yep. Yes, you do it. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see. That is what makes us artists because yes. we see we see the sun poking through the trees and we say, actually, instead of doing it by the brick wall like we thought, yeah. let's come over here and do because this looks All super this good. Me and up people to go, cool I love that you did that. It looks so epic. And well, you go, that's why you picked me. My yeah. point, you have that moment, hopefully. My point was not so much production, but it was you get into post production, and the the uh, the 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 project is kind of pushing this other way you know it's like going you really need to be going this way i mean that's what i'm interpreting and then you know but you've got all of it all mapped out going over this way you know it's uh so to to me that that means that your process wasn't very tight could be like like to me that's a that's a that's a little bit of a i mean it could be an opportunity I guess, but I would say most of the time I would feel like that was a that was a failure. At some point, you missed, you started drifting. But it could be a have very you, good failure. Well, it could be happy accidents, yeah. right? Yeah. Have you ever gone to a client and said, "So I know we said we were going to do this, but we got in there and 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 then we tried this, and I just want to show you this to you and yeah. get your thoughts on." Have you ever had to do that, Chris? Oh, yes. or, or, or that's how, the how only that way go? the interview uh, really would go. You were excited about it, and you thought it was good. You know, did that pay off? But yeah. when, when I yes, it did. But yeah. when in, in most cases, I believe it did. Yeah. But but to me, like the the masters, uh, whether it's in photography or filmmaking, that doesn't happen. Uh, to to oh, me, I, I think it does. I think it does. Yeah, you think Spielberg goes out and goes, like, yeah, we'll see what we get. And no, we I don't come think back. he does that. But I, I do think that he does allow for they go into the edit room and they cut the scene together, and then the editor goes, 
but I got this other version I want to show you. Really? Okay, what do you got? And, and, and you guys are talking about two totally yes, we are. different <laughs> worlds. <laughs> yeah, but how different should they be? Well, I think that's a whole nother I, podcast. Here's, well, here's the thing for me, and I'm I'm regularly, it's almost every time I'm blown away and surprised by this instance, right? So you go and you've created something for the client. You look at the storyboard. It is identical to the video that you've created. You go to show the client and they're like, wow. I love how you put this together. I never would have expected you to do that. Yeah. And you're like, how not? But it's we, right yep, here. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it's because we live this every day, day to day. We speak the language. Our idea of like when we watch a clip and somebody had their the tip of their finger come out hmm. of frame – we look at that critically and go, nope, can't use that take because the tip of their finger came out of frame. It broke the frame. Yeah. Guess what? Your client is going to see this once. We watched it 5,500 times before we showed it to them. And I think those nuances become really important. Or even well, coming at it so- at, at a totally different aspect, like not corporate. Let's say you're doing a, a, a documentary, but your documentary is funded in, in some way. So, yeah. Right. But... The last thing in the world that you want to do is is ask questions or show things or tell people what they already know. That's uh, the last thing in the world that you, I believe that that that, that you want to do. That's an aesthetic do. thing, though. You know. Because, you know what? Yeah, it depends. Like, have this you ever is, gone? This to color see... is orange. Yeah, I fucking know it's orange. Like, let you know, me You don't want to be told what you already know. I just think want it, something new. it comes down to empathy, right? Like, have you, like, I can't put you guys in my shoes, but going to see a movie with my mother, right? Like, what she saw and heard and what I saw and heard are two completely different movies. She missed 90% of the dialogue because it was mastered wrong for her hearing aids. Yeah. Uh, you know? And <laughs> so I think it is, it's empathy. It's, it's understanding where your client's coming from. And at the end of the day it goes back to rickman's uh, aspect of you know what was the initial creative brief and were you staying true to that regardless of you know did you have to flop an image or you know mm-hmm. uh, in post did that shit doesn't matter to our clients it's, for sure were you staying true to that initial conversation you know? so i had an experience recently that just like totally blew my mind and opened my horizons up so sean and i have long debated about when you're trying to get like genuine like someone talking in front of the camera that's non-scripted how much you should produce and coerce that and i i kind of came from the purest side of like Pure document, like don't put words in someone's mouth because that doesn't feel authentic. It's never going to be delivered right. They're not, I mean, unless you're paying an actor um, that you shouldn't do that. Um, But I I did a workshop recently at an event and um, talking about, and this guy used to work for Ken Burns. And he was talking about shooting scripts with documentary filmmaking Mm -hmm. and totally opened my eyes up that what you do is you go in before you're going to interview someone and you decide what you want them to say. Yeah. What's the story you want to get out of them? And then what you do is you come up with what are the questions that you can ask to get those answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you might come up with a couple well, different that, that's variations. Just, that's being a good interviewer, and you have to have a good interviewer. Well, there's, there's two different approaches. I mean, Diane Sawyer doesn't come in and say, like, well, I'm going to ask you this three different ways, Chris. She's yeah. going to ask you the one question and get it out of you. This is saying, like, plant the seeds. I know yeah. what 
I want to get out of someone, how can I coerce the answer out of them so that it's still authentic and genuine? Yeah. It's in their words, but I'm getting and I'm covering the content I want. I, I would argue conversational. Though, that and, in the Diane Sawyer example, it's very important to know what Diane Sawyer said because that primes the answer from the interviewee. <laughs> oh, for sure. And yeah, that's that's what makes you know. her like really good at what she does or any of those people. But I love the idea, and, and you saw me put this into action with the recent project we're pitching with the global project we're getting ready to do oh, uh-huh, where we're going to uh-huh. go around the world and we're going to tell people's volunteering stories for the company we work with and the idea of instead of just going out and being like well i'm just gonna see what they say and hope mm-hmm. i can put something together going no i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah. tell their story in advance yeah so it's gonna open with a shot of them the alarm clock going over and we're gonna overhear them say today's my volunteering day today's the day i get to give back and yeah. then we see their feet hit the floor we see the faucet running and then they say you know it all started back when, you know, I had a dog and my dog was sick. You're going to know their story yeah. and you're going to know how to, to interview them and get that out of them. But the idea of a shooting script for documentary filmmaking has just like exploded in my mind. I never knew that that thing. Such well, a thing. Well, it's, well, it's research. So flipping mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, yeah. It's research. Yeah, I, I, in but some it, ways, I don't mind having an interviewer say, can you say this to me? But it, it, man, it's so risky yeah. for it to be genuine. Well, and, and here's the but thing, too. Be. To your point, so Matt, hard. like if you say somebody, if you say to somebody, do you think a conference like this changes the world? The natural way to respond exactly. to that is, I do think a conference yeah, like a conference this, like this definitely the changes because, the world. And, yeah. the, and then, and it's yeah. like it, it would be, it would be unnatural for them to say, yes. Yes, I do. I think that I mean, you know well, they want to almost repeat it back to exactly. you. Exactly, that's and, the point. Or you could. I mean, there is the other like you know kind of in between method of saying and make sure you know you repeat the question back to me when you yeah. give your answer, and that way it's a it's a it's an expectation from the get go, and they get into the habit of doing that. And even if they don't, you don't push. But but yeah, it's about how you ask that question, and then you know that. You know, the answer that was like, this is a great conference, I really like it, which is flat, dry, and expected, right. turns yeah. into something way more epic, like, a conference like this, I think, does change the world because, and then that's the train of thought that you set them on. I think bottom still line is words, you want it to be genuine. conversational, and you, period. Yeah, yeah and, but, and but, but how do you, how do you, being interviewed. how do you coerce the story and accomplish those things? And my point is writing a shooting script. A common experience for me, though, is that you're working with real people saying real things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's important to recognize that these are non-actors. And exactly. So I think if you have the ability to have them be comfortable and they tell their story, but it was a two and a half minute long rant. Mm-hmm but the sincerity notes were in there and you know that they were in there, then you go back and you prime them to say the things that the editor needs, which is usually the opening and closing aspects. But, but there's also great serendipitous stuff. Like we just, we're in the middle of a documentary now and we just, we needed this interview of a Native American person for the very open of our documentary. And it was very difficult to find someone in that community who would who would speak out mm-hmm. way more difficult than we ever imagined it would be and at the end of that interview you know we got her comfortable enough to be conversational and this was not scripted or planned and we got her talking about her father and got her quoting things in her native language oh, wow. okay 
best off the whole interview, yeah. and that's what we're yeah, opening but, with. But if you, you know, if you think about China, it, like uh, if if you, if you approach your whole project like that, you're going to end up with so much material. And when we're talking that's about a tough right, part. Right, that's a tough part. You're right on that. And when we're talking about making money and and being efficient and and getting exactly what we set out to get, that's where like the idea of having a shooting script and knowing knowing what you're going to get before you even go out and get it um, is is what my like epiphany was. Let me me say this though, because I think oftentimes, especially in my world where I'm wearing many hats, I oftentimes am the shooter producer and then later the editor. I'm using my editor brain out there. Mm -hmm. And something that I've found, and this is it's useful advice in Randy's experience, non-useful advice for Rickman's experience, which is to say, always be rolling, right? Like you Mm. never know exactly what people are going to say in those down moments. So keep the camera going. But but, but that goes to say that our interviewer, we are, you know, way over budget and hard drive space and time. And that's that's, that's who he is. But but, uh, just, Hold on. Uh, in terms of spontaneity, but, though, but he's got PBS docs under his belt, and right. but, but know, that doesn't matter. They know where right. they're going. Does PBS still yeah. exist? It Anyhow. does. Believe yeah. it or not, I found that. Hold on, real quick. Okay. One, just la- one last thought yeah. being uh, that some of the best content that I've tended to capture is when you have a lavalier mic on your interview. But you. And they're in the bathroom. Well, you let I'm you know you, you. This is like your <laughs> airplane. I've seen that movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> but this is like this time where you're kind of getting like B-roll capture. You know, you're not really thinking of it as integral stuff. But this goes back to the idea that audio is like one third of king. your production. It's king. It's more than the one footage, third. right? Like they could be down the hall, not facing you. But since you have a lav on them and you're rolling on them, you captured the best VO content of but, the piece. But 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 I'll argue that that should have come out in pre-production. The whole like fix oh, it depends it. on the type of project. Fix it. Well, you had money for pre-production. Fix it and post should be fix it in pre-production. You should have had an interview with your people before, and that should have come out when you're talking. Well, there, there's only one way to do things, and that's to do it right. It's and, to do it Matt's way, everybody. And, if, um. and, if, and if, your, if your client can't afford to do it right, you have to decide, do you want to do it wrong or do you want to walk from the project? Well, I, I mean, the, on there, something like this, yeah. you, you pre, like if you're, if you're doing documentary style and you're interviewing people, you should damn sure know. It's kind of like an attorney asking a question of someone on the stand. You know before you ever ask that question what they're going to say is their answer. And if you don't, then you didn't do your job in pre-production. I, I would and disagree so with that in, some, in a lot of scenarios. Otherwise, that, I think it's just no sloppy. Opportunity otherwise, otherwise I so, think you're just going out and hoping you get something. So we've been riding this whole train of like, we want to keep it natural and needs to see authentic and you can't put words in people's mouths let's flip it to the type of production where you absolutely are supposed to put words in people's mouths because it's supposed to be a presentation right and the example i'm going to use is i'm down on the floor right at expo and and this woman has 60 seconds to be like hi i'm so and so i'm the marketing director for this product and we have three new things that we're doing here i'm going to talk about each one of them one by one and this woman is not a presenter she's not good at speaking in front of the camera and so one of the things that's really helpful is to kind of almost like do it for them you know and give them an example here's what that intro might sound like hi i'm tracy with you know, Grim Brothers Brewery, and we're going to show you around our tap room today. If she has no idea what she's 
going to say and you were told oh hey man you know the Grimm brothers they they someone someone broke their booth man and they're all really mad and they spent a lot of money with us we're going to go down and make a quick feature for them get it on Instagram like you go down there and then the chick has no idea what she's going to say and like oh you do it Brian you do it and Brian's like whatever you know you're in a position where it's good of you as a producer or director to be able to give them those examples and help them formulate those thoughts. Um, so there is a time and a place for being able to like show somebody exactly Absolutely. how that would look Absolutely. and say, now a guy like Ryan Seacrest, a guy like Ryan Seacrest, he's natural at being able to say, welcome back to American Idol. Everybody we're here in Los Angeles live, but some people who aren't doing that and are put in the spot need you to come in and say, maybe you say something like this. Welcome to our brewery. And Let me show you around the tap room. And I think it's an approach thing. I would say, just talk to me. Okay. Microphones away, cameras away. Just, just talk to me. What are you doing here? And, if and then when they yeah. say like, well, you know what we're doing here is this, that's it. Like, I don't like to put words in someone's mouth because it's hard to recreate that. And then their mind is, they they can fall on their face. They they absolutely can. But if, if it, if it came from within them to start with, they're more likely to repeat it than if you tell them, say this now it's a scripted thing. I I think it's an approach thing and whatever works. But but that goes back to your thought of trying to hire a person that is multi-talented of, Oh, they can be a director. They can be a producer. They can be a production artist and cameraman. They can be a lighting person. They can be a post-production person. There is no budget anymore to hire all these different people. Uh, I think that's a collection of technicians versus artists. And and I, I tend to try to be an artist where I want to be able to do everything from producer through post-production and marketing and sales and running a business. Um, I, th- I think it's just a, it's a different approach. That's a collection of technicians, generally, like on a movie set. Um, and, and, and there's artistry within being a technician on one specific thing. Um, but I think for most of the stuff that I touch and the stuff that I'm around, and I see personally, because I hire video production people and video production crews. And man, when I put something out to bid and they're like, well, I'm, we're going to need a director and we're going to need an audio guy. Okay, bye. Like, I will absolutely never hire someone who comes into it thinking that. Right, because the stuff what that I'm doing is so what low. you do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But so many people are so so many people are so quick to go there, like like in 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 the video world, so many people are so quick to go there of wanting like man, we gotta have a crew because they're they're wannabes and they wish they were at different levels. Well, it's next level. So many video production people are prima donnas and and they think that they need like all this fucking overhead and and all of this crew and all this stuff and it's like man. That, that ship has sailed. That is so 20 years ago. Like when you can go out with a rig now that's like a little mirrorless rig and you've got – we're fast. We're nimble. We don't need all that crap anymore. We can't afford it. I it's a luxury. I just talking soft skills, right? Be a normal person when you're doing this thing. If you're walking up to someone and you shove a camera in their face without any handshake or hello, I, what the hell? You know, and this is pretty – I think it's pretty obvious that you That's should, a given. Yeah. I, it's not a given for most. I think some people approach it as a technician. They're more concerned with the shot that they're setting up than they are with the person on camera and it's a balance. Yeah, if we were writing if we were writing a training outline on how to be a good producer, you might add a note like encourage them. You know, give yeah. say that was really really good. I like what yeah. you said at the end there. Yeah. Well, you could you take know, it way back more that's soft basic than yeah. that. You could take it just down to a still portrait photographer. The person that has a better relationship with their Oh my god, person that they're yeah. taking a photo of mm-hmm. yeah. is going to 
unbelievably better portrait mm-hmm. than someone who has higher tech skills and zero Absolutely. people skills. It's, com- yeah. it's the comfort of the subject. You catch more real emotion out of them, right? Same thing. Anything we miss in the process? A ton. Yeah. <laughs> the process. No, I, 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 I mean, I... Can I borrow your glasses? I don't know. My, my big thing to take away is that it, it because video is a heavy lifting you know, expensive thing is to, to make sure that you're very deliberate with every step. Keep your client in lockstep with you. There shouldn't be any surprises when it comes to, you know, if, if, if you're on location, there shouldn't be any script surprises. Like, whoa, wait a minute, they're saying that? No, that should all be set. When I, you're in post-production, there shouldn't ideally be any surprises. I would say whatever your process is, client education and communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think like uh, there's an opportunity there. Like my experience again is that clients oftentimes dig this stuff. This breaks them outside oh, yeah, of their absolutely. normal world, man. Let them let them be a part of it. You know, uh, cater to them a little bit. Yeah, I would say I weirdly, conversely, but also the same. Always be listening. Uh, I think that a project can shift and change uh, right in front of you, but as long as you're listening and aware of those changes, you're going to keep everyone in lockstep and move forward from there. But you do need to be flexible and ready for those changes. Is lockstep an East Coast term? No, that was Rickman. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was using jargon. Lockjaw. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's a different, yeah. I guess my final thought on process is, you know, um, we're all lucky to be able to be creatives and do creative stuff. Um, and yes, sometimes there's bills and, you know, schedules and client scope creep and stuff like that. And those are all parts of, especially if you're a professional doing it, all parts you have to deal with. But I think what um, keeps people coming back and what, what makes people love working with you is if you have fun with what you're doing and you help them have fun with it too. Um, so however you do that in your own way, with whatever type of personality you are, um, that's a really key factor to success in the process. And they will lobby for you to their superiors. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've noticed there are like two settings. It's either fun or sincere. Like there's no room for drama or difficulty in what we do. Absolutely. You know, Ideally, from yeah, client, for sure. You yeah. Know. For sure. Jack, what's your take on all this? So you come from a world where you just like – you know, are exposed to organically created content. You get to do whatever you want. You know, I don't think that you necessarily set out with a lot of process and that sort of thing when you do your stuff. What do you, what do you, what have you heard tonight? I've heard that I have no idea what the hell is going on. <laughs> <laughs> We've scared him off. We've absolutely scared him off. No, no yeah, but like this is. Go ahead. Um, whenever I sit down to edit something or some, well, starting off like. You guys talk a lot about like clients and whatnot. I don't do that. I've never. I've done that for like my friends, but I don't really consider them clients because <laughs> it's not like I'm asking them to pay me a bunch of money for d- doing anything for them. Um, we also. But, but don't do you ask still factor it? <laughs> but do you still kind of put in in the back of your mind what you're listening to and what we're talking uh, about? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's a, and I'll, I'll say, Jack, I mean, that's a hard uh, pivot to make. You know, I remember the first time I ever had to ask anybody for money for a job. I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. try and do a contract maybe. And then like, it's a big you deal. know, and it is, I mean, it, it, the whole thing of charging money for your work is it takes time and experience and practice. That's and, the definition and of you a really professional. Get to, right. Is like, you've done it enough times now that, you know, you know how to navigate those waters and we still all feel our way through it i think even with the experience right mm-hmm. yeah. we do 
That's yeah, awesome. and, and you ride that edge of being like, oh, my God, am I actually worth – should I be getting paid this? That's a whole nother versus, podcast. Yeah. Hey, let's go around real quick and see if anybody's seen any like uh, anything cool lately. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what have, what, what's what what been out there? Who wants to go first? Chris I'll go Bell. first. Uh, he's, he's pretty cool. He <laughs> yeah. brought beer. I saw him. Yeah, Chris bought beer, so he's yeah, the coolest shit I've cool. seen in a long I'm, time. I'm done. I'm turning the mic over to Randy. <laughs> Randall here. No, actually, this this thing is, is boring but very cool, and I think uh, we're going to look into this a little bit more. I got one of those. You got one of these? Yeah. yeah. These are so great because um, you've. I don't know if you guys are using this kind of thing. Like a white a color checker? Well, because right now, really, if you, if you don't have a color checker, you're only really checking, like, white. What is white? And, you know, if you can, what is black? Mm-hmm. But this thing is uh, you bring it up uh, on your computer. You shoot this when you're out in production. You bring it up on your computer. It maps out what each of these are. Fills it in. And then it totally does the finesse of lining that up. So why would you want to do that? I mean, obviously. Multiple cameras. Multiple cameras, different yeah. cameras, as well as if you had, you were in kind of a funky lighting kind of arrangement, you could get very quickly to a, um, I would say, best recommended, uh, you know, lighting scheme, and then have the and tweak from there. Tweak from there. What's this thing called? This is called X Right. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's and the, it's different for video than stills. It is. So, this is yeah. the video one. And it's just a little thing about this big. Stills, you just shoot raw. And uh, yeah, you, but this would help you. This would help you with raw. Yeah, for totally sure. Help you with raw. For sure. Are you using Premiere or something to do that, or is there a plugin for this that it's comes with it? It's a plugin for Premiere. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Resolve kind of doesn't need a plugin. It does it for you. Yeah. Every, I've been hearing a lot of good things about Resolve. Actually. Yeah. So have I. Yeah. Lots of it. Avid. All of them kind of have this X right thing built in, and it's very quickly to immediately get your video into a state of like uh, proper balance. Both, both in color and in exposure, very quickly. Yeah, no, and those are really cool because they have like a like almost a pelican case type enclosure where they stay nice and clean and yeah. not dirty. Right. And they're Don't not big; they're small. Put them in your pocket. Zoom yeah, in. I need to get one of these. I had a shoot recently, and I was shooting with two mm-hmm. Fuji cameras. Now, granted, they were different cameras, but we haven't had experience of them being that far off. Mm-hmm. Both shooting the same color profile, um, different lenses. And it, what really came out to me is I was shooting a uh, an Indian guy and skin tones like on yeah. white people, it was totally cool. But this Indian guy, all of a sudden in one shot, he's a little yellow and in one shot, he's a little red. Ooh. And I had to like really – which is close, to, right? I mean, they're yeah. close on the spectrum. Like yeah, green but something like red. that would totally and, – and it's funny because I, I carry – reason to use Aces. I color a uh, – Use what? Aces. What are I use a MacBook Pro, but oh, and um, a computer, Asus computer. No, no, uh, that's a total color grading. Yeah. Oh, but okay. I, and I carry a color chart with me, and I didn't use it, but I, I yeah, I need to. Yeah, and there, there's that's a cool. ton of color charts You'll out have there. To just, they, these guys have later. developed the apps that go into the edit. See, and that helps. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you can just, cool. I mean, within seconds, you can go boom, and it just done. Everything's, and then right, go and from what there. We do now it's, is, it's like a white balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because what we do now is we do. The white balance, but you know the white balance, and for the most part, it's that's fine. Uh, this just gets it a little bit more finesse, a little bit more color information, and it also uh, can help you out with proper exposure as well. Even if you shoot raw, it helps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's uh, yeah, raw would even be better. Absolutely. So yeah, there's sure. my nerd out thing. Highly recommend it because we're gonna nerd. 
<laughs> cool. Mine real quick is, um, so one of the problems that I've been trying to solve recently is how to get longer run times on our little mirrorless cameras. Um, and, you know, because they can only record for 30 minutes. Um, so the easiest way to get longer record time is to just hook up a Ninja, which gives you better quality video anyways. You know, it's more cost, it's more whatever, but gets you the longer record times, but you still have to deal with batteries. So I started doing some research, like how can I get longer record times, run times on my, ba you know, with battery, we've got set up so that all of our cameras can be plugged into AC power and run indefinitely. But I found this thing from this company called Blindspot, and it's called the Power Junkie. And basically what, what it does is it takes Sony NPF-style batteries, and then you get these little dummy battery leads that go into your camera. And so I, um, I got them for my two Nikon cameras and my two Fuji cameras. And then you can run like an NPF 970 battery, which, again, I just got these setups, but I've got to think I would be able to, with my Ninja setup, with an NPF 970 battery running, I would think I could get hours. I would, I would think that the Ninja would run out of recording before my power would run out is my my and then my those batteries are some of the most cost effective popular easy to access batteries on the planet absolutely right and the cool thing about the power junkie is you it has um charging ports on the side so you can use USB-C or micro usb to actually charge your batteries so you don't even need a battery charger it also has usb output so you could use it as a battery bank to top off your phone or whatever you might have to power a light a wireless mic pack whatever and for like i think the little power junkie things are like uh 50 bucks um, and then uh, maybe the little lead things were like 30, 30 bucks or something. So like 80 bucks, you know, plus battery. So it's not cheap, but it's, I'm really hoping that that gives me what I'm looking for. I mean, it seems really sick, but does the shutter on the mirrorless, or I guess there is no shutter on a mirrorless for one, right? Uh, well, uh, there's electric is, shutter. Yeah, but does it still shut off after 12 minutes? Does it still cycle? Because that's really the issue. No, uh -uh. The no, no, not no. at all. As long as it's got power, it's putting out a clean, uh, full cool. HDMI signal. One thing I did encounter, which is a little bit of a niche thing and I need to test, um, I was shooting with the Fujis a couple weeks ago. And so on the Fujis, um, it has, like most cameras, a little eye sensor. And so that like if you put your eye up to the viewfinder, it switches over to the viewfinder. And a couple times I was recording HDMI out to the uh, Atomos Ninja and I would like, you know, move in and it would trigger that and it screwed up my HDMI signal that was going to my Atomos. It caused a couple like locked frames, Ooh. like frozen frames in wow. it. Huh. And again, it was like, I saw it happen. Oh I was like, what the God. fuck? And then in post, I'm like, yep, there it is. Oh, wow. So I need to I need to track that down a little oh. bit and find out if it was just a camera yeah, or and what sometimes, even that was. You know, but you're using the gimbal and that uh, auto eye mm -hmm. thing will it's turn obnoxious. on Yeah, it's, it's very, obnoxious. Yeah, you definitely got to turn that thing uh, off. Obnoxious, yeah. yeah. So, but I absolutely <laughs> love, as a side note, shooting with the Atomos. You get focus confidence if you are manual focusing or if you just want to make sure your autofocus is doing its job or if you feel like, man, it's really hunting around and off a lot being able to have those autofocus peaking or you know the exposure peaking and all of that or stuff. double as a director's monitor all of that stuff man i mean for what are those like how much do those things cost i just bought three Four, of them. like 500 bucks a piece plus yeah i mean they're not they're not cheap but man the ninja is 500 bucks yeah i think it's 500 bucks it all depends which one and then get and then get media and power and all that but i think they're 495 or 595 for the ninjas i mean so absolute flipping cool. Mm -hmm. So you got one? Yeah, I got I got a couple here. Um, you get one. I only get one. 
Should I only do one? No. You can do whatever okay. whichever you want. Uh, well, I brought two to uh, the podcast today. Um, the first one is a website called Thematic. Um, it's app.hellothematic.com. And I was just searching for free YouTube music, and I came across this thing. And it's actually like legit artists that have like put out albums. And I don't know how they got in bed with this website, but there's like a ton of really pretty good music, like even better than premium beat, like stuff that sounds like you got royalties, but you didn't. And it's all wow. free, and you can credit the creator. I went there and to check it out. They good stuff, but yeah. they need to work on the website they need new search functions yeah the mm. search is not good but you know i mean i just base and there wasn't there's not a ton of music on there yet i think they're relatively new um but i just went through and started searching through and i found good like, two on them good yeah. tracks yeah i mean and, and it's free so that was really cool but why not just pay um, yeah i mean when you're broke like me you know then you have that um and the other thing <laughs> well, was, you want uh, people to pay for your photography don't you yeah, yeah i know i know i know it's, uh, it's a too. hey you know you you use free stuff when you can get it and you use audio hijack to take some sound effects off youtube every once in a while and then you have a project with a music budget and you buy three tracks off premium beat not endorsed by the filmmakers and photographers right um anyway so then the other thing was um this new company called dd microphones um they are a branch off from the aperture uh lighting company you guys have seen Mm. the the company aperture makes leds and you know they make other you know big lights and stuff yeah right okay randy knows so apparently uh, a couple guys from that company branched off and started their own microphone company i've heard they're good and they're actually pretty darn good i have a rode video mic pro that um i got with um you know the budget when we geared up um uh is that the, the bigger one is, it's a little bit yeah, yeah maybe like the step up from that um and yeah i mean really nice like good mid-level tones not too bassy not too thin it rejects um like ambient you know from the side and back really really well um and i haven't really taken it out on like a windy day or like to you know like on an actual shoot or anything i've used it in my house so far and in the office but other than that um it seems to be really really cool it comes with a rycode shock mount you know it's got a cool yellow details the biggest cool thing about in the model that i have is the uh v mic d3 pro stepless gain knob on the back and it also has yeah, a smart plug nice. so yeah the step the deity this is the deity mic oh, i got i, I want to get that yeah, shotgun mic. It's, I've it, read a lot of great things about it's that. It's pretty cool, actually. And they're yeah. like total audio nerds. And But when would you actually ever use it? Because it's like I have a shit ton of those shotgun mics, and yeah. the audio out of all of them sucks no matter what. Unless you're you're in somewhat close. Yeah, so uh, I would like say... placement, placement. I, but placement. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, if you're you running gun... when would you ever gun, use it over a lav mic? Well, okay, so for example, for example, there was some footage I was editing. Um, one of my counterparts shot some stuff at, a, at an event, and he, he was basically running around grabbing B-roll, and somebody stepped, somebody important was, happened to be there, and like he didn't have that set up with him. He was just kind of running gunning, and he got some nat sound of them like saying some things to this group, and, and what they said was great, but because he was using the on-camera microphone, like I had to really take some time and, and sweeten up the audio, for as sure. opposed to had he had a decent shotgun mic as just his you know normal audio capture that audio would have been pretty darn good and 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 you know i'm okay Out, with outdoors it. in a blimp in the wind but yeah, I was gonna s- and that's not what it's for enough. you know you know that and and so i think you know it's that running gun thing it's your go-to replacement for you know in-camera audio when you don't have access to a lab but, but that's and i've been thinking you know, about this a lot yeah. lately so i'm not i'm not like, 
trying to challenge you, but it's like I almost feel like these three hundred dollar mics are a waste of absolute money. Uh, like yeah. spend twelve hundred bucks and get a good shotgun mic. Or you can get a deity for like you know uh, it was two. But I but these like yeah. you know two three four hundred dollars and I've got all of them. I don't have the deity, but I know people are all hot on it. But I'm like I have never been in a scenario where I've used that mic where I've been any of these mics where I've been happy with it except for one time and I was literally like this close. Mm-hmm. It was when we were together in fuck somewhere Boston and I had to shoot someone super quick. I didn't have time to mic him up. And I literally, I knew it. So I was like, I shot, I was six inches from him because I knew I needed good audio. But generally that's not going to be the case. Well, the other thing I would say real quick is that you could also use it as a really good um, gnat sound. So if you're walking around and you're, you know, you got some crowd noise, you got some restaurant sounds, plates clinking, stuff like that. That could be a really nice filler layer of audio, even in to complement what you're getting from labs. And you still get to give you that if you want to get so you want the clinking plates. Mm-hmm. Well, you can if you direct your mic there to the clinking plates, you're you you're going to get it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep, no, so, that's I mean, a good there's, use. There's yeah. a that's a good use case. Yeah. You know, but I just feel like so many people use them thinking like, okay, I can put that on there and I can be six feet away from you shooting. Yeah, yeah. right. And I'm going to hear you good. No, no. no. And I, it's Randy said it best mic placement right yeah, I it's think, gotta be right there yeah it's so funny to me and this seems right to here. happen in right here in right the here. DSOR world more than anywhere else yeah. um, where the ergonomics of the camera tends to dictate what they're doing it blows my so, mind somebody told me once that oh I, I placed a shotgun mic and they're like oh that's a shotgun mic that's, you placed it too close <laughs> was, was, like, it, was it in their mouth? Yeah. What? That's the only two close. Yeah. They're not sucking on then, it. It's not yeah. too close. Yeah, yeah. what kind of sound did you Absolutely. need? Absolutely. You know, but, uh, you know, it just really surprised me but, that they actually yeah. thought that. Wow. Yeah, what I was kind of talking wow. about, though, is that you you tend to get stuck. I've noticed that a lot of DSLR shooters, they have the neck strap on, and then you look at their footage, and everything they shot was from their five foot six height. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they, they didn't choose uh, for yeah well you know they didn't put the camera at an interesting angle and i i had heard someone say recently that you you're holding a video camera show me something the human eye isn't going to show me so show me something that's a whole other topic but that is the same thing with audio you know uh as well but uh yeah. Perspective. Yeah, cool. Well, no, that that I got one too. Oh, well, oh yeah. I was yeah. just gonna say I've got something that's go man a little different than um I'm I'm going towards the the software line of things instead of hardware. So, nice. Um, been working on a documentary lately, and uh, we've got some software script writing software. It's called Fade In. Mm. Inexpensive, absolutely amazing, and everybody can work on it different locations at the exact same time updates it, it doesn't have to be one person working on it updates and then somebody else can do something it's all real time it's like 80 bucks don't quote me on the price but right. inexpensive and then storyboarder where is another software for doing storyboarding and these two apps actually interact with each other which is truly amazing yeah yeah easy and storyboarders free are they under the best same suite of products? Nope. It sounds like wow, nope. wow, nope. that's pretty crazy. two completely independent and yeah. they function fantastic together, and uh, it really can take you up to the next level. Going nice. off of what Matt was talking about on yeah. solid pre-production. I mean, yeah, yeah. just real quick, give us some background here. Why is it important for multiple people to work on a script on a documentary? Well, let's see. In our documentary now, uh, one of our main script writers is in Denver. The producer is here in Fort Collins. Um, 
our storyboard artist is here in Fort Collins, but in totally different part of town. Um, all live interaction. Yeah, it sounds it's fantastic. Classic, uh, uh, yeah. you know, classic uh, distance in filmmaking, which happens a lot these days. Yeah, yeah. And, and the script from Fade In real time will show up in storyboarder. You can storyboard right on your walk. It works with Wacom tablets. Script comes right in, right, you know, storyboarding right to it. It's great. Nice, it's really, man. Really cool yeah. and inexpensive. Yeah, it's free. It's free. Yeah, well, storyboard is free yeah. and fade-ins. Yeah, any less yeah. Expensive nice. They yeah. Pay you. Right. What else? What do you got, man? Cool. I'll make it quick. Uh, so fortunately for us, uh, it was I believe Rickman and Sean who had introduced the sling. Uh, uh, kind of operating system, uh, I guess you would call it that, right? Yeah. Uh, which is Sling is a device that does uh, kind of live cutting, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, and it's kind of an all-in-one a- app where you can link camera links uh, together and then do live cutting for uh, output to you know your your streaming platform of choice. But my whole discovery here was a workflow item, which was we were out at a conference and some of our, uh, you know, some of the sessions that we were supposed to capture weren't actual live streams. Like we weren't booked to have them be live streams. But I was like, oh, hey, I could actually not stream out to the internet currently but i can still cut my program you can edit it in real time and drink beer later and drink beer later right so it was this real time time saver where i had cut the program together there watching i was part of it so it was actually a really good cut and then lo and behold you go back for post and Maybe, maybe a little correction. Well, and that's the beauty of the sling is you get a premiere file, which I have you done. I've never actually even done it, but you get a premiere file with your ISOs. And so it's like, well, if you didn't quite cut something right, you could fix it. But ideally, you're pretty damn close when when you're done. Yeah, I mean, we had an instance where we weren't live, but our one of our camera links just, you know, wouldn't work for one reason or another. Right. So we had three cameras, two of them we were able to record right into the program. So I cut those together. And then I only had to cut one additional camera in, and that took me one-third of the time that it would have otherwise taken me. So really, the takeaway being that you can use this device not just for the purposes of live stream, uh, but also to kind of save yourself on And a whole lot easier than the old school systems, like the TriCaster. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, wireless. Here's what I will say. The sling has been slightly unreliable lately, (laughs) having some issues. And I will say I I was on the phone with, like, their tech person. They sent me a replacement in a day. It took me. A, it took it a day to get to me. That's okay. impressive. That's good. That's very impressive. They and they were yeah. like, good no customer support. Asked. Here, yeah. here's a brand new box. It seems like yours isn't working. And I took it out of the box. And the problem I was having with the other one instantly was remedied with the brand new one out of the box. So that wow. was cool. But I will say the TriCaster. My whole talk about like that NDI workflow that I'm looking like I I want to figure it out. There's so many little subtle pieces of gear and they're really expensive. So like you kind of either have to like rent it or like make the investment upfront and know what you're getting. But uh, the Sling Studio is consumer, TriCasters Pro. You know, wouldn't you say in a way? 
Yeah, I see the difference. Yeah. Like in the Sling yeah, Studio, you're that. not going to be doing like full NDI workflows where you're bringing yeah. online cameras or, you know, you have a server where you're feeding footage to from different parts. I mean, that's a, just a different workflow altogether, I guess. But Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. I did I see someone put a transmitter on a drone. Uh, so you can you can do that with this. Oh, thing. yeah. What yeah. would so, be the Sony output on a drone? Oh, maybe if it yeah. was holding a, like, yeah. a regular camera. Anyhow, yeah. listen, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure to sit down with you guys and talk about our craft and drink some uh, beer. <laughs> In Coffee this case, beer. Coffee beer. It's a, it's a late night, so we chose beer tonight. For those of you brave enough to listen to this podcast, please make sure you've subscribed on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with your friends and colleagues, and also, if you can, give us a little love on iTunes by rating and leaving feedback for this podcast. And lastly, and most importantly, go out and make something. <laughs> we should all change that. We should. It's like our mantra. Filmmakers and photographers